What's good? Welcome to Transparency After 40. I'm your girl, April D, and I'll be hosting this podcast and over the next couple of weeks, maybe even months, just touching on topics that we need to be transparent about. And in order for me to do that, I have to be transparent about who I am. But before I jump into that, I want to give a couple of people shout outs. Make sure y'all follow their podcast. Um, Tenille, my homegirl, she has a podcast, Grown Folks Conversation, and my boy Huggins has one as well. Um, He'll be dropping his episode soon. So thanks to both of you all for encouraging me to do this. So it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. Um, So here we are. So I'm expecting feedback, you know, whether it be positive or negative, I welcome it. Like I said, this is my first episode. I know that it's going to be a bit choppy whatever but hey you learn as you go so bear with me so back to what i want to talk about tonight is being transparent about who i am so i'm just going to give you a background on who i am and you know where i've come from and things like that i'm currently 41 years old i reside in memphis tennessee i am single no children never been married i was raised by my grandmother um, in a small town called trenton tennessee I was born in Memphis. Yes, Memphis is where I was born on my birth certificate. However, I did not move back to Memphis or move to Memphis, I should say, until I was an adult. So going back to my childhood, um, being raised by my grandmother, I want to start there um, with being transparent. I am a product of a single parent. My mom was 14 when she got pregnant with me, and she had me right after her 15th birthday, about three and a half months later. So we are 15 years apart and I've never called her mom. The closest I've gotten to mom has been sister mom. So if you've ever seen me on social media say that, I'm referring to her as sister mom because she is more like a sister to me, but I do know that she is my mother. Um, I also would like to discuss, um, I don't know who my father is. There have been speculations of who it could be. Unfortunately, if this particular person um, is my father, I never had a relationship with him. And unfortunately, I won't be able to have that relationship because he is no longer alive. I do remember brief encounters as a young child, being in the store with, with my grandmother and seeing his parents, whom I actually got to meet my alleged grandmother um, in 2015, when my alleged grandfather passed away, I was told that he wanted me to be there. um, And I felt that it was only right. It was a very nerve wracking experience um, being around people that I'd seen before, but not really knew much of. And it also was a relief because at the same time, they did welcome me with open arms. Um, There was no ill will. I will never forget being at my alleged grandfather's funeral, sitting next to this young lady who had a baby. And on the opposite side of her sat a young man. From what I knew, um, from just rumors and things like that, this young man is allegedly my brother. Um, No, we did not talk. I'm not even sure if he even knows that I exist um, because I'm an only child um, from my mom's side. So that's how I was raised. I've had my times where I've wanted to reach out and possibly get a DNA test just to have that closure. However, sometimes I tell myself to leave it alone 
because in certain ways I feel like it's best not to know. I'm just not sure if that's something at this age in my life that I'm ready to explore. But for the relationships that I do have with a few of them, I love you all. And if you all would like for that to be something that we did, I would consider it. Um, and if not, I do understand. So I'll just go back to being raised in a single parent home. As I stated, my mom was a teen mother. She was 15 when she had me. So I was pretty much raised by my grandmother and my aunt, who was a little older than my mom, who also had a child um, early. And in that situation, my grandmother did it all. And I think in most families, grandma is grandma, mom, aunt, uncle, dad, all of that, because she, she holds it down. So I knew early on from watching her what I instilled in me that a woman should learn, which is to be independent and make things happen. Granted, she was married twice. Um, my grandfather um, moved to Chicago after their divorce. She remarried. I don't really remember much about that marriage. I do know that for the brief time he was in my life, he was a good person to me. Um, and I'll just touch base on my relationship with my mother. As far as the relationship with my mom, her being a teen mom, we really didn't get along as I got older. And a lot of it was resentment and hurt for her, for her not being there for me and just not knowing. I think a lot of times they... Her and my grandmother maybe thought that me having curiosity about my father was a joke. There were times that I was told, well, we tried. They didn't want anything to do with it. And of course, when that's who was raising you, you just kind of listen to that and you leave it alone. It doesn't mean I ever forgot, but I did leave it alone. By the time I was 15, my mother was addicted to crack cocaine. Um, prior to that, my mom was a student at University of Tennessee at Martin. She ended up meeting a guy, quitting school, getting married. Um, and from there, it just kind of spiraled downhill. And eventually, I remember coming home from school on the bus one day. And my mom, and, and when I say mom, I do mean grandmother. We were, she was sitting at the kitchen table and, you know, just kind of quiet. And I'm, I walk in and I'm like, what's up? And in that moment, she told me, you know, we're going to send your mom up to Chicago. I can't do it anymore. And the reason for that was because my mom had gotten so addicted to her habits. She had started to steal um, things from the house. I don't know how many of y'all old school kids or grown people, whatever, have home interior or have heard of home interior. But if you know about it, you know, it's pretty pricey. So when it starts coming up missing, somebody's going to be mad. We also had um, a pond in the backyard with catfish. She had started to feed the fish and scoop them up in nets, sell them. Same thing with the garden. I'm a country girl at heart. I grew up in the country. No, we didn't have cows and all of that, but a lot of the, the vegetables and things that we ate were homegrown. I miss that. I really hate sometimes I wasn't really that type of an outside person because it's so much more healthier for you. So with that being said, um, after my mom moved to Chicago, the relationship that we didn't really have kind of just faded away. There were questions over the years from me about my father, and I'm kind of going back and forth, so I do apologize. Again, this is my first episode. I didn't think to do an outline, but that is something I'll do moving forward to stay on one um, topic and move forward. 
I remember um, after I graduated high school in 99, yes, shout out to Peabody High School, Trent, Tennessee, class of 99, I would have conversations with my mom and my sister mom about my father. Because as a kid growing up, I used to get tormented a lot. I would hear people say, you are XYZ's, he's your dad. I won't say this person's name because I don't want to put any slander on somebody over accusations that I am not sure are true. What I will say is this person was a teacher at our high school, had been for several years. Um, I avoided his class up until I had to take it in order to graduate because of the torment that I had went through from being ridiculed and being said that he was my father. Um, so what I ended up doing was asking my mom and my sister, mom, hey, what is this situation about? And openly, my mom admitted, yes, I was having relationships with this teacher at the age of 14. Um, yes, it was probably around the time you were conceived. However, I don't know. So with that being said, she doesn't know who my father is. So that's why it's hard for me to just say that this particular person or this particular person is because she does not know. She hid her pregnancy with me until she was about, I believe, six, seven months. My mom played basketball. So the basketball coach, from what I was told, called and told my mother that she was pregnant and it kind of went from there, uh, which was part of the reason I was born in Memphis because she was high risk because she had had no prenatal care prior to um, them finding out so late in the pregnancy. So we fast forward. Um, again, my grandmother raised me and I will forever be indebted to her, rest her soul. I really don't know how life could have turned out for me without her. Um, she took me in from two weeks, I believe, two weeks old up until the day, you know, I kind of spread my wings and went my separate way. And even after that, that's, that was my rock and will always be. Every day I think about the decisions that I make and I look at the pictures in my place and I, and I just say, I hope that she's happy with me and that the things that I've done that may not have been the right choices that she has she has forgiven me for those things because I know that um, she would not be pleased with a lot of those things. So I also grew up, um, I'll go back to just high school and things like that, dealing with the situation with the alleged teacher being possibly my father. I will say also that he was a white teacher, um, so no. <laughs> Um, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave it alone. A lot of people have heard the rumor. So if you are from my town, you, you've heard. I don't know. It's just accusations. Um, a lot of pressure was on me. I was my senior class president. I was band captain, associated in a lot of clubs um, because I wanted to excel as a student. I was a, I was a pretty nerdy person growing up, but I take pride in that because definitely had a lot of mental trauma to deal with internally that at that age didn't really affect me, but it does now, which is why it's good for people to be able to be transparent and have a safe space to discuss things that may bother them or that may haunt them or, the, or that impact them in life, period. And that's my problem. The things that I went through as a child or the things that I did not see, I didn't have a father figure in my life. All I knew and still know is to go get it as a woman and make sure it happens by any means necessary. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But that doesn't mean that you can't be independent and still let someone lead you. And I don't blame anybody for that. These are lessons that I'm learning. 
I'm grateful for my mother doing what she did for me because I'm going to always keep a good work ethic, excuse me, because of that. Um, but it also has been a hindrance when it comes to growth, relationships, friendships, and, and, and re my, my religious preferences and things. I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. So, yes, I was in church probably a lot. What? Wednesdays for Bible study, Saturdays choir rehearsal, Sunday for our Sunday school um, worship service, late Sunday afternoons going to other churches, Saturdays revivals, things like that. I appreciate all of that. Um, I'll have another topic on that later on if I decide to continue this podcast. So back to about me. As I grew older, I became very insecure with myself. I mean, I was a big girl, a heavy girl or whatever you want to say from a little kid. I was always plump, chunky, husky, whatever you want to call it. Um, when you're younger, you don't really think about those things until people start calling you fat and ugly and, and things. And then it starts to affect you mentally. So with that being said, even though I still at that time didn't understand that emotion, it was always there. I remember one of my classmates in particular always teased me, talked about me, laughed at me, things like that. But again, we were young. Now I understand it doesn't necessarily make it right. Bullying is wrong in any shape, form or fashion. But now, you know, I've took those situations and learned from them and try not to be that type of a person to anyone. Um, graduated high school in 99, as I said, went to TSU for maybe a semester, came back home, went to a community college, uh, graduated from a business school, ended up moving to Memphis sometime later, going back to U of M, moving to Nashville, finishing my bachelor's in psychology and started in my master's but I never finished and sometimes I think about that but that's not even where we're at with this so anyway um by the time I was about 15 16 when we all kind of get to that boy crazy stage and we start hanging out with the wrong crowds and doing the wrong things um I was fortunate enough that my grandmother bought me a car at 16 but I was also stupid enough at 16 that it got took away because I chose to be disobedient and do things I should not have done, hanging with the wrong people. So I got um, another car for graduation. Like I said, I was kind of a you know, spoiled kid and there's relationships or family situations that I know people hold grudges against me for. But I will take this moment to say I love my family. Yes, I've been distant since probably 2006 when my grandmother passed away or my mother passed away. Um, however, I always felt like a black sheep. If any of my family is listening to this, I want y'all to understand we're adults. And all those grudges that some of y'all hold against me or maybe even me holding them against y'all, we need to let go. What I do also want to say is I was a child. Understand most of y'all's parents were married. I had a 15-year-old mom who did not know my dad. So being took in by my grandmother and being treated as her own, which, yes, the day she left this earth, I was her child. I made sure everything that needed to be done for her arrangements was done by myself. But I want y'all to know that that doesn't mean she loved y'all any less. But all the negative energy that I came to be around because of hatred or envy or jealousy just made me distance myself from quite a few of y'all because I feel like there was resentment towards her or me because of the situation. And again, I say all of y'all's parents, if not at least the majority, 
you had your mothers and fathers. I pretty much had neither. So please, when you sit and think about how we were as kids, as an adult, take a moment to reflect on, I did have my parents. She didn't have hers. Why, you know, at that time was that such a big deal? But again, I love y'all. Um, glad to see all of y'all doing well. The few of you that I do talk to or see on Facebook. Um, and I will continue to love y'all as of right now from a distance because that's what I choose to do. So as I move on in my adult life, um, I moved to Memphis in 2004, I think. And of course, by that time, I'm in my mid-20s. So Memphis in May was, was what it needed to be back then. Fun, like big crowds, good fun, good drinks, good entertainment. So that's kind of what drew me to the Memphis area. Um, chose to stay. Ended up leaving in 2006. Stayed in Nashville for a few years, and then I came back in 2008. So we'll back up to when I moved to Nash, excuse me, Memphis in 2004. Let me back up a little further first. I apologize. I'm gonna start from graduation from high school. After I, before I went away to college, um, I was the you know kid prom rolled around. I was the the, the big girl, so I was shy. I didn't really want to ask anybody. I think I might have dated one guy in high school. Um, I was 19, right at 19, when I lost my virginity. Um, never, I don't think, ever dealt with that guy again. He was a cousin of a friend of mine who was now deceased. Uh, rest in soul, uh, rest in peace to Shikandra. I will always love you, babe. And um, I'm sorry I couldn't be there uh, for reasons that don't matter anymore. But just know you will always be somebody that I love. And may you continue to rest. So back to moving to Memphis. I moved to Memphis um, after all the college crap just wasn't my thing. And, you know, I had a little job, worked at Subway with my best friend. Shout out to my girl, Salt and Pepper. You know what it is. Um, finally left and went away. Moved to Memphis, and I would consider it that period of, oh, you living now. You know, you out of your mom house, you got your own, got a job, got a car, you doing it. So I think I got my first taste of making stupid decisions um met a guy nothing really ever became of it but because i was so insecure i allowed myself to engage in activities with this person that i probably shouldn't have nothing crazy so ain't no like you know no charges or nothing like that it was more of a sexual thing i didn't understand that this guy didn't want me i thought by doing what i did it would keep him coming back and it did for a while finally that Whatever happened with that went on. The cycle, unfortunately, continued, however, in a different manner. Again, this is me being transparent. So in 2007, I believe, um, I had a Black Planet page. Everybody had Black Planet, MySpace. You know, this, those were the hookup spots. Let's be honest. If you weren't there, you were trying to get in somebody's panties or somebody's boxes. That's just what it is. So, yes, met a guy. Um, very handsome. The downside of it, um, he was married. At that time, I'm not really caring about all of that. I'm not thinking about the morals and the values that were instilled in me, you know, when I was at home. I'm like, shoot, he's trying to get at me. Here I am, insecure. I'm thinking he kind of fine. I'm going to flow with it. So, um, yes, I started having a sexual affair with someone's husband. Um, not something that I'm proud of. I have definitely asked for forgiveness for that for years. 
and I hope and pray that God has forgiven me for that mistake um, because it's not something that I condone. It's not something that I say is good. If it's and and you do get back what you put out there, karma is definitely going to come back. So I finally had to come to terms with myself. You doing what you're doing. You may want to be married one day. How you think this might turn out? You know, you home thinking you doing whatever you need to do to take care of home and your husband doing, you know, what you was doing with somebody else's husband. So that was really honestly the turning point for me with that. Um, I remained good friends with that person for years. Um, but yeah, that situation was wrong. Not on just my end, but his too. But this is about me, not about him. So after I moved to Nashville, I think was when I really started to just feel like I had to just have that companionship. Mind you, I'm a single female, never had a really good role model from a male in my young adult life, my childhood years, um, because I did not have a father around. My grandmother's second divorce probably happened by the time I was 11, 12. I had uncles, however, another topic that we'll discuss later, um, domestic violence. Um, so those weren't good examples. Even my mom's situation I'll never forget an incident with her when she was a victim to domestic violence. So because of that, I just did not know. So moving to Nashville, was working, um, going to school, ended up bumping into a man, young guy. Uh, we hit it off. Um, I think it was Black Planet again, maybe. And he would come to visit me. I had a roommate at the time. We would hang out. It became a sexual thing. Um, we never were boyfriend and girlfriend. And then, you know, it got, for me, just because I wanted the, the attention, so to speak, and definitely know better now, it became one of those situations where I was letting him keep my car and drop me off at work. And, of course, I was humiliated because at least two to three days a week he was late. I remember going to Atlanta with him one weekend and, some of his homeboys in my car burned my back seat. I just got that car probably six months prior. I was just stupid. I ended up moving out from my roommate, getting my own place. Of course, I let him move in and not paying any bills. And I just felt like, hey, I need companionship this bad. So this is what I'm going to allow. So on and off that went on. Finally, um, we went our separate ways. We have been in contact every now and again over the last few years, but I'm very big on not backtracking. So that chapter would never be revisited, but I do wish him the best. Definitely learned some life lessons in that chapter of my life that have, have kind of been put to the side, but now I'm starting to understand why. So I come back to Memphis, um, kind of doing my thing. Memphis, from about 2006 up until 2012-ish, 13, maybe even 2015, I'll say, because I left and went to Chicago, moved to Chicago in 2015. Those were my years of April is outside. I know that's a term people use these days, but those years were my outside years. Um, I was promiscuous because I was insecure. I was letting people use me for money, um, for my car, just to have that attention because I felt like if I did it, they would come back. Not taking into consideration the harm I was doing to myself mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and I know that's all in one, even physically and sexually because I definitely wasn't raised to be out here in these streets, but I, when you get out there, you out there. It's a choice you have to make. Um, so 
that was when my cycle of, of feeling like this is what it's supposed to be started. So I left um, Nashville from that situation, came back to Memphis. I was, like I said, still outside. I have several people that I've known for over 10 years that have had that access to me whenever they felt like it, that I had to cut short. Um, when I say several people, I mean probably three or four that I've known since I came back to Memphis in 2008. And for the longest, it doesn't happen now, but for the longest there was an open door policy where when they wanted to hit me up to come have sex, I allowed it. No commitment, never asked them out on a date, they never offered. I just let it happen because I was so lonely and insecure. I felt like it was the right thing to do. So fast forward. Um, actually, I'll go back in time since this is transparency. In 2008, when I came back to Memphis, um, I had what I thought was a friend, a couple of them, that I got involved with. Some things happened. And yes, uh, Miss Class President was arrested. I was charged with identity theft, uh, computer crimes, theft of property, and I think forgery under 500 or something. If you know anything about the law, you know a couple of those were felonies and the others were misdemeanors. So yes, this is transparency, who am I? 2008, I will never forget, Keisha Cole had a show that came on called The Way It Is. At the time, I was working for American Home Shield in the third party accounting department. And before I even get into this story, I want to give a shout out to my homegirl, Crystal. Our friendship has been estranged, but I want you to know that I'm forever indebted to you for what you did for me during this time. Because between you and Taisha, rest in peace to her. That's my heart. She passed last year. I wouldn't have known what to do without y'all. So, Crystal, I love you for that. And I will always be indebted to you for being that person who was there for me. So 2008, I believe it was December 30th. I was home. I had got home from work. I get a knock on my door. I live on the third floor. And I look out the peephole and it's like four or five officers. So mind you, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an only child and my mom is addicted to cocaine. My first thing, my first reaction was something has happened to her. Because again, I don't really be out there doing nothing I'm not supposed to do. So I open the door, they ask who I am, I tell them. They tell me I'm under arrest and what for. At the time, it didn't dawn on me. It didn't dawn on me until I walked downstairs and saw the person who had made the police report standing there recording, watching me go to jail. So this is another topic. Be careful who you call friends. We'll get into that eventually. Um, this person was somebody that I had been there for her when she didn't have anything. And I made the stupid mistake of doing something for her, using my own bank account, giving her the money, yet because she was a jealous type friend, I wasn't calling and, and, and responding fast enough for her, so she basically ended up saying that I stole her identity. Um, and I went through hell for several years for that. Mind you, the charges were dropped. I do not have a record, um, so let's put that out there. You know, there's there's me telling this is my story. There's nothing to hide about. Charges were dropped um, and I'm good, but it definitely was an experience being arrested um, and having to pay all those fees and back and forth to court. To this day, I hate 201 popular because every time I would go, I felt like I would have to boo-boo 
my stomach would hurt that bad because I was really in there with people who, you know, have done things that were really bad. Even the night that I got arrested, I was in the pod um, at Jail East in Memphis with a young lady who had killed her baby and another young lady who her and her boyfriend had done some stuff and whatever, murdered somebody. So, yeah, I'm not for the... I'm not for jail. You know, if that's your life, hey, you do it. But yeah, that was a lesson in life I will never forget. Never trying to go back. So in turn, from that situation, this young lady emailed my job. I did lose my job at the time. Ended up eventually moving out of my place. Prior to moving out of my place, I will never forget standing in my living room and having probably my first breakdown. I don't know if it was anxiety, depression, or both, but I remember texting or calling a friend of mine. Um, shout out to Corey. I don't know if he'll listen to this, but if he does, another person that I'm forever indebted to. He was working at a uh, company not far from my apartment. I called him or texted him and said, I'm about to just end it all. I can't take no more. No job, no way to pay my bills. Could not find a job because of the pending charges. I was really on the verge of ending it all. I will never forget standing in my living room and probably within five minutes, this man pulled up and I can't tell you what would have happened had he not pulled up. But what I can tell you is in that moment, I was over it. So if you're somebody that deals with depression, I understand 100% where it comes from and how you feel. You're not alone and it's okay to let people know that you need them. It's okay to not be okay. I still have my times because of other situations that we'll talk about in other episodes. So I ended up moving out of my apartment. I moved in with um, Taisha, rest in peace to her again. Was able to finally get a little mom and pop job for a minute. Um, working at this, uh, no, that's further, I'm sorry. Working for Best Buy, part-time tele-tech or something. Did that for a while, ended up uh, moving out. I actually ended up moving to Chicago um, for a little while in 20. 10, I believe, and then I came back, and then I went back to Chicago in 2015. So when I came back from Chicago um, the first time, I had my car had gotten repoed while I was there. When I first moved there, I was squatting with my mom. If you're familiar with squatting, it basically means we lived in a house that was boarded up. It had running water. Um, we had electricity but it was boarded up because it was still being renovated. So I stayed there with her for about a month or so. Then I finally was able to move into the place that I was supposed to move into. I will never forget how nasty that place was. Some of those places in Chicago, just, man, this was one of them. We had to clean it up from top to bottom. There were needles in this place and just all kinds of filthy crap. Like I cried so much when I first moved there. I had a homeboy that uh, my mom knew who actually lives in St. Louis now. Shout out to him. I will not mention his name, but if he listens to this, he knows who he is. I'll never forget him telling me it's going to get better. And it did eventually. Um, I did move back to Memphis, started over. Um, and that's when I got into the battle rap scene. I'm not really going to speak a lot on that, but if a lot of y'all listening probably know me from battle rap. My start was in Memphis. Um, and then I moved back to Chicago in 2015 where I started to work on a battle rap magazine and I would travel to different cities and do interviews and things like that. Um, and then I had the honor of working with Miss Gracie at Guerrilla Warfare. 
uh, one of my best experiences in battle rap ever. Probably how I came to know more than half of y'all was through her, um, a legend in battle rap, female legend. So make sure y'all get that lady her flowers. Um, so fast forward to moving back to Memphis, or excuse me, Chicago in 2015. The reason that I moved to Chicago is because my mom had became homeless. Um, at that time in her life, she felt like being able to get her fixed was more important than having a roof over her head. Mind you, Chicago has brutal, and I do mean brutal, when, winds and weather in the wintertime. Uh, my mom chose to live out of a garage where she ran electricity with an extension cord from a house of a person, a friend of hers. Um, and she bathed in, in things in buckets. And because my mom, or sister mom, as I really refer to her, is the only person as far as immediate family that I have, I made the choice to move back to try to help her get better. I could not see myself getting a phone call that she had froze to death in Chicago. And here I was capable of being able to try to help. One thing I have learned about people who have addictions, they are not going to get the help until they choose to. Trying to force them to do things does not make the situation better. Um, my mom would only come over for maybe a meal every now and again and sometimes to take a bath and things. We actually ended up, well, I ended up having an altercation with her because she stole from me and then she ended up leaving. But before I left and moved back or moved to, I guess I should say, St. Louis in 2017, she was off the streets. She had gotten um, some type of leads through a company who helped her get off the streets and get her own place, furnished it, and she's still there today. So um, I'm very proud of her progress. She's definitely, definitely not perfect, but she's mine. I love her. For at least the last 10, 15 years, her and her um, significant other have not missed a beat when it comes to birthdays and Christmas. Twice a year, they make sure that they send me $100. And that means so much to me, more than she would probably ever know because we did not have a relationship when I was growing up. So to see her trying, even though she has her things to deal with, is more important to me than anything. So I moved to St. Louis in 2016, 17. Um, and over the years in Chicago and, and, and as well, the relationships or situationships, should I say, continued. I still was promiscuous, met a few guys. Nothing ever came of it. Just kind of calling me to come over for what they wanted or showing up at my place for what they wanted. And that was that. Same to an extent in St. Louis. Um, I guess I was just lost when it comes to you deserve better than this. And I just continued this cycle of, I feel like this is what I have to do to have companionship. I've only had one relationship that probably lasted longer than a year. And that relationship was when I was 20 years old. Rest in peace to David. Uh, David will always be somebody that I hold dear to my heart. He is one of the only guys that ever took me out, showed me nice things and, and showed me how a young lady should be treated. Um, only one other person attempted to do that. Unfortunately, in, in my 30s, there are a lot of things that I had to come to understand. You can't keep accepting this. You cannot keep dealing with these men who have no stability, no car, no roof over their head, no direction, no plans, no goals. And I finally just decided that as of 2017, I would be single until I got me together. 
the road has not been easy. It's still not easy and I'm still not there, but I have definitely learned my breaking point with a lot of situations. Um, since I've moved back to Memphis, my best friend and I have became closer. Um, I couldn't ask for a better person to be my best friend. She's like my yang and I'm her yin. Like we know when the other person is going through something without saying, and it's not just about the voice, it's a feeling. And it's amazing to have a best friend that we had our fallout years ago. And unfortunately I missed out on a lot of important things in her life and vice versa because of immaturity. But today I thank God that we have mended that relationship and no matter what comes, it's not going to be broken. That's my girl. That's my sister. That's my heart. I'll take a bullet for her. Um, and I'm thankful for that. So fast forward back to Memphis. I kind of dipped back in that pond a little bit for the, you know, from the insecurity pool of that companionship or that, that wanting someone around and made a few mistakes here and there. Started to question myself. Um, why was I here? You know, am I ever going to have a baby? Am I ever going to be happy in a relationship? Things like that had these situations where I had started having feelings for, for certain people, scared to address them because of rejection, continued the cycle of just being a convenience to the point where I couldn't take it. And then Christmas of 2020 was a day I will never forget. I had been casually talking to somebody for quite a while and yes, I am a PI when it comes to trying to find stuff out. And that's something that I'm going to work on because I will openly admit, of course, we're talking about transparency, that my insecurities have led me to have some serious trust issues. So with that being said, anything that feels or smells like it's off, oh, April D is going to go look for it. So social media is a big letdown when it comes to... Um, relationships or situationships because if you have trust issues it's not always a good thing to be on a person's social media platforms because if you're like me you will become nosy and you'll start to look for things or you'll notice them so I noticed some things early on I didn't say much again this was not my man so not my place to speak on it but I took note continued to pay attention things continued to go in that route and then like I said Christmas day of 2020 I think was the day that I had gotten to a point of, yeah, this is not going to be for me. Um, and I'll go back a little bit. One of my love languages is buying things for men, um, or used to be. Let me let it be known, former love language, because that door is not open anymore. I was so insecure with myself that I have bought Playstations, Xboxes, Jordans, other kind of shoes, polo, clothes, Probably one of the only things I've never done is I've never let a man put something in my name for credit nor tattooed a man's name on my body. But when it comes to being the person who felt like buying them things would keep them around, I just recently stopped doing that a few year or a year or so ago because I felt like as long as I did that, they would come back again. That was something I had to come to terms with to realize it just wasn't what it needed to be. So the last time I did that um, and I had this curiosity it blew up in my face Christmas Day. Um, again, Facebook, I saw something that took me back to several months ago from those speculations and intuition, and it really right in my face came true. So I got in my vehicle. I was in Memphis um, at the time. I had just moved back in September of 2020. Got in my car Christmas afternoon, Christmas evening, and I left um, the house. 
I don't even think I said anything. If I did, I don't remember it. I just remember grabbing my purse, my gun, and getting on 240. 240 is the interstate in Memphis. First time I drove it the entire drive from um, Millington back toward downtown or whatnot, I just cried, asking God, you know, you're going to ever let up off your girl, everything I, you know, I pray about and I won't. Every time I think I got it, here comes the, the, the BS. Why? Why me? Second ride around, I'm opening up my armrest, taking my gun out of my armrest, and it's, this gun is sitting in my lap. Still crying, screaming. I don't even know how I was driving because I was crying crocodile tears. I got a phone call from my brother, Philip in Chicago, loving, but never forget him for this. Told him what was going on. Um, and after that conversation, I put my phone on Do Not Disturb. My best friend, her husband, and one of my um, homegirls all calling me, trying to find me. I'm not getting these calls. Mind you, my call, my phone is in Do Not Disturb. I do believe even my homeboy Miller. I know that's my bro. That's my heart, too. Um, everybody calling me, phone on Do Not Disturb. As I drive around 240 for probably the third time, Mind you that this gun that I had with me did not have a safety. I remember at this point my finger being on the trigger and I just screamed. I pulled over and I just screamed. I was over it. I was tired of being used. I was tired of feeling like the only thing I had to offer was sex. I was tired of being lied to, tired of giving my all and not even getting appreciation in return. And that was it for me. For some reason, in a moment, my mom, my grandma came to me. And I remember hearing her say, you better than this. You were raised better than this. I taught you better than this. Nobody, whether it be man or woman, is worth you taking your own life. Because baby, you have not fulfilled your purpose on this earth. You gotta let this go. I heard her, but it didn't mean much at that time. But what I did do was decide today's not the day, April. So I checked into a hotel Christmas evening, night, still not answering my phone. I did not go to sleep. I remember walking in the hotel lobby, eyes bloodshot red. I'm pretty sure that girl just knew something was wrong. She didn't ask, but you could tell she was concerned. Um, about nine, 10 o'clock that next morning, I think I finally started listening to voicemails. I checked out. And I went back to my best friend's house. I sat there, you know, I apologized to them because they hadn't slept. That was selfish of me in that moment. And I thank them for not giving up on me and being there for me, even when I didn't want anybody to be, that's love. And I haven't talked about that situation with a lot of people. A lot of this I haven't talked to with a lot of people, but again, this is transparency. Who am I? Um, that was probably the third time in the last 10 years I had enrolled in what's called intensive outpatient therapy. Um, I had been diagnosed with being uh, depressed and anxiety. And the depression and anxiety probably started soon thereafter my grandmother passed away because I felt like I was lost. She was all I had. I wasn't mature enough to handle certain things as an adult. So, I think it just led me to become depressed. I remember having a therapist in Nashville 
um, he had me read the book, The Secret Life of Bees. So a lot of you have probably seen the movie, as have I, but I read the book first and it was really good for me. It was therapeutic and I appreciate Dr. Harrison for that. So back in 2020, I come back to Memphis. Again, I said I started opening up some of those closed doors, Pandora's box, trying to fill that void and even trying new ventures. Um, made a lot of mistakes that I've learned from, some I'm still learning. And as of 2022, and, and let me touch back on the reason I came back to Memphis and then I'll move forward. Um, I left St. Louis and came back to Memphis for health reasons. A lot of you all know that in 2018, I decided to undergo weight loss surgery. Um, I had complications from my surgery that led me to have several surgeries thereafter. Most recent one was in 2021. Um, it's been a roller coaster for me. Even now, I am currently in treatment having infusions for iron because my body is severely anemic. Um, I am not producing iron, so I'm having to have it pumped into my body via IV. Um, so when you see me posting my snaps or whatever about being at West Cancer Clinic, that is what that is about. Trying to be a better person. I stay tired a lot. People think that I don't want to go places and do things because of whatever reasons. And a lot of it's because I really don't have the energy. It does seem to be getting better. This is just my second treatment as of today. So I'm hopeful. Um, right now I'm every other week. Hopeful that it'll turn into every month and then maybe once a year is what the goal is from what my doctor um, told me. So as I stated, I dipped back and forth in a couple of those boxes and started making crazy decisions. Um, finally, I've gotten to a point where those boxes have stayed closed. And if I open them, I've been transparent about my feelings with that person or those people. And for the most part, they've been the same, which is why I've kind of kept my distance because I can't keep being that go-to girl just because of a sexual connection or vibe. I'm worth more than that. I deserve more than that. If you can ask one girl out to dinner, how come you can't take me? There's only one person that I can say that sat in one of those boxes for the longest who even actually ever tried to take me out. And when he did, it was probably one of the best experiences because I really had feelings for him. And he took time out of his life to do it, even though his foot was broke. <laughs> he still took me out on my birthday, and I appreciate that. That probably was, that is one of the one dates that I've been on in the last 10 years. I think I've probably maybe only been on three or four dates in the last 10 years. I don't know how to date. Um, I never really get asked, and I don't know how. how. Um, I can be a little shy at first until I get to know you, but... A lot of it's just because I don't have the experience. So we fast forward again back to today where I'm at. I finally moved back into my own place since my health has improved. Um, working for a new employer, I would consider myself to be in a career job at this point. I love my job. Uh, my stress levels are down. I'm managing certain things a lot better, spending a lot of quality time with myself. Um, and I'm allowing myself to let things happen as they should. I'm still hopeful for a good relationship one day, maybe even a marriage and possibly a child. However, I've stopped putting limitations on things and started to just focus on me. And I'm learning that people make time for who they want to make time for. And I've known that for a while, but there's more to it than just saying it. You have to know it. And you also have to know what they want to spend time with you for. 
And at my age, I don't need a cuddy buddy. I don't need a sneaky link. You know, I'm looking for somebody that likes to travel, spend time, try new restaurants, support my business ventures. I support his things of that. Not take care of you because I'm not your sugar mama, but help you build. You help me build, become successful and grow. And overall, more than anything, have a relationship with the higher power because I personally do. I pray I'm not into church like I was growing up. I will admit that, but that does not mean I don't give thanks because I do. Um, I don't judge people who don't. That's not who I am. I just do what I need to do for me. And I just want to continue to be a better person. So I'm opening this up to feedback. Again, this is transparency. Who am I? Um, hope that you all take away something from this. If there's anything you want to discuss, give feedback, please do. I apologize if I was talking too fast or if I jumped around to different topics. Next time I'll set my outline and we'll get better as we go. But I do want to leave uh, the end of this first episode with knowing that it's okay to open up to people about things that you may feel you're ashamed of. Took a lot of courage for me to talk about a lot of these topics tonight. A lot of people don't know what I've been through in the last few years of my life, the last 15, 20 years. They only know me from what they see on social media. And that's the thing. Who I am on social media does not define me. I just like to engage in conversation, say funny things. Um, and, and that's what that's about for me. It's therapeutic in a way. Sometimes it can be good therapy. Sometimes it can be bad. But be true to yourself. Don't let anybody make you feel like you're not worthy, like you don't deserve happiness. And if it means taking time away from everything to learn how to be happy with who you are, then do that. I honestly have to say that I probably recently in the last two to three years learned what it means to be happy with who I am. I don't seek validation from people. My circle is small. If I interact with you at all outside of social media, you mean something to me. And not just random. I mean, you're somebody that I would say is a permanent fixture in my life. Even if we only speak once every couple of weeks, couple of months, you're still somebody that I communicate with for a reason. So take care of your mental health. That's very important coming from someone who does still have my good days and my bad. It's okay. It's a, that's another thing we in the African-American community need to address. And I'm just going to keep it real. Yes, prayer changes things, but there's nothing wrong with seeking help because I do believe God put therapists here for help. So don't shy away from it because people tell you that it's not going to do anything. All you need is prayer. I'm pretty sure sometimes we all need more than just prayer. So thank you all for tuning in. Um, until next time, Transparency After 40. This is me. Thank you for tuning in.